Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
hours indeed. Welcome to the Kingdom Work for Christ online radio. So I'm so glad that you're tuning in. You were just listening to us, Lisa Metallo, and that's Blessed Assurance. Really grateful that we can start out with this song every show. It is such a great way to give honor to our King of Kings. It is a blessed assurance that he's decided to even give us stories to share with the world. Let's go ahead and start out the right way. Let's bow our heads, humble our hearts, and turn them towards the Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, Lord, as we forgive those who sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the privilege of being able to have breath. Because you are the creator of everything. Lord, I thank you and I praise you that you, through Jesus' sacrifice, through his blood, through his resurrection... We get to partake in a direct relationship with you that is rooted in your deep and sincere love for us. God, I'm so grateful for this year, 2017. I'm so grateful, Lord, for the people tuning in. I'm, I'm grateful for the way you are so active and your power is more than ever in these times where things seem destitute. Thank you for your growing church amidst a lot of rebellion and persecution and inauthenticity even among the body, Lord, and outside the body. Thank you, God, that people who are honest in you are being built in the midst of that, Lord. And thank you, Jesus, that more will get to know you for the first time or in a deeper way through these hard times, Lord. We love you. We praise you. We ask you to take over this hour as we're getting ready to delve into your word. We love you, King. Amen. Well, welcome, everyone. Welcome. So excited that you tuned in. If you're tuning in for the first time, I'm your host, Emma Bordagama, and I will be with you this hour. We're going to be talking about some fun things throughout the hour, very specifically as it relates to parenting. So, put yourself. For those of you who keep tuning in every week, thank you so much. We have taken a long break, and we're going to do this every year. And the intent for the long break is that during the, 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 the Christmas season, what's supposed to be a celebration of God to the world. A lot of times this tends to be the most packed season, the one that is just go, 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 go. And oftentimes at the expense of actually slowing down to appreciate the meaning of the season. And so in honor of that, some of that principle, we, we slow down. And one of the things that amazing is that the first year we did this was well, two years ago. I thought for sure a lot of listeners would drop out. <laughs> and this year, same thing. I thought for sure a lot of listeners drop out, but it hasn't been the case. As a matter of fact, it looks like some of you have been re-listening to some prior shows and, and really getting um, still plugged into the show and, and, and still uh, listening to the message of how God is continuing to work on a day-to-day basis in people's lives. It's just deeply humbled. And thank you. I thank you so much. For those of you tuning in for the first time, you're what is Kingdom Work for Christ? What is this show about? Let me give you a little bit of a brief overview. So Kingdom Work for Christ, plainly put, is the full-time job of accepting that being a Christ follower is the main vocation. 
of a believer in Jesus Christ. Yeah, so it's a full-time job of inviting the Lord to take over your day-to-day. Kingdom work for Christ is all about what happens in addition to church, in addition to organized ministry. What happens when you, from the second you wake up to the second you go to bed? How do you serve the Lord in day-to-day, in your nine-to-five, in your unemployment, in your student, as a student, as a stay-at-home parent? How do you serve God on a day-to-day basis? And so Kingdom Work for Christ online radio show is all about highlighting the ways in which believers in Jesus Christ, authentic followers of Jesus, are specifically undertaking the incredible role of being Christ representatives in their environments, no matter what the environment is. And also the way that they have missed doing that in some, in some cases. Right, this show is authentic, and one of the things that I love, love, love about doing these shows is hearing the testimonies of people who have gone through serious valleys, who've gone through the the circumstance without the Lord, and then did it with the Lord, and the sharp cuts that we start to see between the two. So today we're going to be very specifically starting on a part of family life that is so important and that's going to be parenting very specifically. And today this is all about the privilege of a praying parent. Now, some of you who read the, the, the introduction to the show, probably asking yourself, well, I thought you said this was going to be applicable to everybody, even if I'm not a parent, don't worry. It is. It, it really truly is. I promise you. Um, but we're going to very specifically be focusing on this. And then next week I'm, Super stoked because next week we're going to be having an interviewee who has been an incredible pillar of prayer for her son over the past month or so. And her testimony is, is rather incredible. And as we go through and we listen to her testimony and see the way in which God's hands and feet were active in so many different various circumstances, um, it, I, I believe you will be richly blessed by the way in which God answered prayers today. Richly, richly, richly blessed. Okay, so on this show, we have talked about a multitude of things. We've talked about gossip. We've talked about sexuality. We've talked about what it means to go from defeat to victory. We've talked about politics. We've talked about diversity, cultural diversity. We have talked about, um, gosh, abortion, adoption, uh, just a slew of environments in which God is active today. What does it look like to be a Christ follower, kingdom worker for Christ in these environments that are the environments that occur? And how do we do it with grace? How do we do it with spirit and truth? How do we do it with God's love? How do we do it in such a way that people get to experience Jesus when they're around us rather than experience the wrath of what we believe God's image should be? A lot of people today are put off by the way in which Christians carry themselves, not because the message of the gospel is that way, but because we have misinterpreted what it means to be an authentic Christ follower. Kingdom Work for Christ is based on the great commission of Matthew 28, 18 through 20. So starting Matthew 28:18, Jesus came to die for us. He came to die for the sins that you and I put in front of the table before the Father as we disobeyed his will. And the penalty for sin is death. Romans tells us that. But Jesus came. What he did is that he took on that mantle of sin 
so that the Father's perfect justice and perfect wrath could be executed. But because he did not sin himself, he was able to conquer death, the consequence of sin, he was able to conquer that. And as he conquered that, make a beautifully carved way for all those who choose to follow him, a path that leads to eternity. So after Jesus came on earth, lived an exemplary life, the life we should have lived if we hadn't sinned, died the death we should have died because we sinned, and then resurrected the victory that we're going to have when we choose to follow him. Right before he went to the path of the Father, he gave his followers beautiful instructions. Right before he did that, the, the, first set, the first set of instructions he gives is this. He said, one, know that all authority in heaven and on earth is mine. The second set of instructions, therefore, go make disciples of nations. Third, baptize them in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Fourth, to obey my commands and Father, know that I'm with you always till the end of the age. In giving those instructions, Jesus offers the pathway to hell and death. Understanding that the authority under which they are is the Lord's. Two, understand that this could be a moment where they can go and make disciples of nations. Three, understand that it's also a moment where they could get a chance to be a vessel through which people can get baptized. And fourth, understand that it could also be an amazing uh, experience through which people can understand more about the commandments of God and how to navigate the day-to-day. And goes into that situation with the assurance that the Lord is with them through the end of the age, that God doesn't just give a commission and, and, and bounce. That's not his MO. But the Lord is specific in how he does things. And his leading is infinitely critical to how we navigate today. And so that's what the Great Commission is about. So how does this apply to parenting? How does this apply to the praying parent? And how does a show about a praying parent apply to someone who's not a parent? All right, so let's go. Let's start to dig deeper now. Definition of a parent. Do you know? Dun, 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 do you know? Do you know that the the noun parent, okay, is actually not a noun that has existed forever. So parent comes from the early 15th century. In the late 20, well, let's go back, 12th century, actually, it was a surname. The word parent comes from an old French word, parent, and it means father, parent, relative, kin. That was around 11th century-ish. And then also there's a Latin parentem, which is a nominative parent, and that's father, mother, ancestor is another way to, to interpret where that's the origin of the word parent, okay? And the noun was used um, in present participle to bring forth, to bring birth. So to parent, parare was all about bringing forth and bringing birth and producing. There was all that with the intent of bringing fruit, okay? And so to bring forth is where we see the root of what parent is supposed to be. Now this replaced native elder after 
the 1500. So native elder is really what it would have been called, what a parent would have been called before that. And after that, it became parent. Okay. So the reason I give a little bit of that background is that within the context of what we're going to be talking about for the next um, 45 minutes or so, when I talk about parenting, very specifically in this context, it's going to be with respect to people who are positioned as the body of Christ before us. Okay, to bring forth their journey to a point where they can have intimacy with Jesus. That is the parenting that we're specifically going to be talking about today. Full disclosure, I'm not going to be talking about how to, how to handle parenting tips or how to, you know, get toddlers to stop crying. I mean, I, there are amazing resources out there to really give some practical tools on parenting. What we're talking about in this show very specifically today is the privilege of prayer when it comes to the position of being a parent and what that means in kingdom economy very specifically. So let's turn first to what we're going to be addressing today. There are really three main points that we'll be taking a look at. The first one is, who is God the parent? Because if we can understand who God the parent is, then we all have the potential to be well-parented despite the lack of birth parents, despite the lack of adoptive parents, despite the lack of spiritual parents. If we truly understand who God the parent is. The second point we're going to be visiting is, what is the privilege of being a praying parent? What does that even mean? And what does that mean if you are not a parent? Okay. And then the third point we will be looking at is perseverance. What does that look like? And how does that apply to the privilege of a praying parent? Let's turn to John 17 to start looking at who God the parent is. So in John 17, we have the New Living Translation, the prayer of Jesus. After saying this, so Jesus looked up to the heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one who you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. So now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I've revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they've kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it. And know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you've given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I'm departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I'm coming to you. So Holy Father, 
You've given me your name. Protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction as scripture foretold. I'm now coming to you. I told many things while I was with them in this world so they could be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil, for they do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth, just as you sent me into the world, sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. Oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. Amen. So I know this was kind of a longer chapter, but the reason I want to read it entirely without any commentary in the middle is because I wanted us to understand the way in which Jesus petitioned before the Father for us. So the, Jesus came to assume the perfect life that we should have assumed outside of the context of sin. Then he came to assume the perfect death we should have assumed within the context of sin. And then he resurrected the perfect victory we are going to assume when we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, as he brings us down the pathway he's carved into eternity, up the pathway he's carved. I don't know what the exact directions are, but my whole point is it's towards heaven, it's towards eternity, okay? So within that context, here we have Jesus coming in for a very specific purpose. And as he's coming in, he is leading us, the, the, the shepherd, good, good shepherd, leading and not losing Anybody who's willing to come alongside and to follow him. And as we are going through this experience, Jesus is petitioning before the Father 
Now, keep in mind, he was in human form, petitioning before the Father for the people who are following him, for the people who have been entrusted unto him. And he does it in such a way that it brings about not only protection over his followers, but it brings about the empowerment to act according to the leading of the Holy Spirit on his behalf. It brings about unity in the body. It brings about, it just, it's a covering that is so rich, like a buffet of blessings that he has in this one prayer to the Father. And we're going we're gonna to go through some of them in a second. But here we have Jesus showing us one of the incredible privileges of a praying parent. And that is the privilege to put covering, covering of protection, a covering of, of blessing, a covering of security, a covering of unity, a covering of intimacy with the Lord right off the bat, even before the people following him know what's happening. He has already taken on the mantle of being the perfect parent. And that's what we're going to learn from today as we are exploring the other um, passages in the Bible where parenting and the privilege of parenting comes in. And parenting, keep in mind, we're not going to be talking about just parenting by birth. We're not going to be talking just about parenting by adoptive parent. And we're not going to only be talking about spiritual parenting. Okay, We're also going to be addressing what it means when you don't have any of those things. Right, or you don't feel like you have anyone that can bring context to having a healthy birth parent, adoptive parent, or spiritual parent. Okay, so going to John 17, we're looking at this chapter, and right off the bat, he's giving glory to the Father. This hour has come, glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. So we're seeing the Lord's prayer that he gave in Matthew 6 being executed here. Hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You look at verse 2. He says, for you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. So now, Father, bring me the glory we shared before the world began. Okay? And then he goes on to petition before the Lord to ask the Father to give the daily bread that will help to sustain the people who choose to follow him. And he says, give them that unity, right? So verse 7, now I know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it. They know that I came from you. They believe you sent me. So here's my prayer, right? This is my prayer, not, not for the world, but for those you've given me because they belong to you. And they said, all who are mine belong to you and you've given them to me, so they bring me glory. So here's the deal. Verse 11, I'm departing from the world. They're staying in the world, but I'm coming to you. So Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. Give them what is necessary so that they can make it on a day-to-day basis. And then Jesus brings out the fact that he's protected us 
by the power of his name while he was here. And he's protecting us by the power of his name through his resurrection right now as we speak. And he's not only done that in action, but he's also doing that in word. And the way he's doing that is by petitioning before the Father in such a way that we can learn what it looks like to petition before Jesus for the ones around us, for the ones that we have been assigned to as birth parents, adoptive parents, spiritual parents. Now I'm coming to you, and I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. Jesus imparted the knowledge that he had about the Father unto us. So we now in turn can impart the knowledge that we have of him unto others so more can get to know him for the first time or they can get to know him deeply. And then he brings out the fact, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Right? I've given them your word. Now the world hates them. That's evil, right? Because they don't belong to the world just as I don't belong to the world. So I'm not asking you to take them out of it, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. So make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And so I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. Here we see Jesus covering his followers with protection, petitioning before the Father that he not allow them to fall into the hands of the evil one. And as he's doing that, he's speaking these incredible words of words of freedom, really, that we can then emulate as it comes to the privilege of a praying parent. So here we have a couple of verses where what would it look like? Okay, hypothetically speaking, what it, what would it look like if every single parent right now whether you're a birth parent, adoptive parent, spiritual parent, okay? Every single one of you takes on from verses 11 all the way through verses 19. And you prayed that over the people that have been entrusted unto you to parent. And so, Holy Father, you gave Jesus your name. And so now protect them by the power of Jesus' name so that they will be united just as you and Jesus were when Jesus was here on earth and are right now. During my time here, so during Jesus' time here, you protected them by the power of of your name. You guarded them so that not one was lost except for the one headed for destruction as scriptures foretold. And so now, Come to you, Jesus. I am telling them many things so that you they will be filled with your joy. I'm giving them your word. And yes, it will be tough because the world will hate them because they don't belong to the world. They belong to you, Jesus. And so I'm not asking you to take my kids out of the world. 
but I am asking you, Lord, to keep them safe. I am asking you to keep them safe from the evil ones, for they don't belong to the world any more than I do as a Christ follower. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. For as you sent me, you, Jesus, sent me into the world, I am releasing them unto you into the world. If we could humble ourselves as a people and honestly start to pray for the ones that have been entrusted unto us to parent, to bring forth into a relationship with Jesus, to guide, to point straight to the cross in any situation through actions and through words. If we were to take on that responsibility with the gravity that it ought to be taken with and pray that prayer of covering over the children that the Lord has placed in our lives to parents to bring forth, how much different would the body of Christ look? So let's take a look at a couple of passages in the word that kind of tie this all together. So keep this, keep this in mind. Some of you may be tuning in today and you're thinking about this show. You're listening to the show and you're thinking, I really can't relate right now because I'm not a parent. And if, it, if that's you, the first thing I will say is this. The, the, the value of this show for you today is going to be simply put understanding that God is your parent first and foremost. And that is something that's so critical and applicable to every single person who's going to be tuning in because I'm not going to even pretend that there's anyone who can say that they had perfect parents. Because I would essentially be saying they were raised by Jesus. (laughs) Parents, like physical parents who are Jesus. But amidst all that, the bottom line is we were all, we are all being pursued by Jesus. We all are being parented by the Lord, especially those who accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. We are under the author, the authority and the authorship of the creator of the universe. And he is amazing and he's in love with us. And so to that effect, absolutely we are being parented. Even if we lack parents that were healthy parents for us in our upbringing. So that very core concept, understanding what a parent ought to be when it comes to the Lord's economy is something that is critically important whether or not you were a parent. Because if you, if you can't grasp that simple concept, it's inevitably affecting your life. It's affecting the way you're relating to people, and it's certainly affecting the way you're relating to God. Because how do you, with all integrity, say, Father, thou who art in heaven, holy is your name, when your concept of a father or a parent is unhealthy? How do you, with integrity, do that unless you are able to understand the power of God's parenting, the perfection of the Father, the Lord God Almighty? And within that context, 
allows you to have the eyes to see the incredible value added of parents that you have, the people who gave you birth. Because in that very little tiny fact is enough for us to give honor unto the people who gave birth to us, right? And so I look at that in this passage, and it gives us at least a starting point for what we're going to handle next. So thinks, well, I don't have that parent that I can relate to. Okay, so Luke 8, 43 through 48. It says, a woman who was there had been a subject, had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, and could heal her behind Jesus. And she touched the Immediately, her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out for me. So the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came and trembling, fell at his feet. In the presence of all people, she told why she touched him and how she'd been instantly, your faith has healed you. In peace. Here we have someone who, for 12 years, had gone to every single measure possible to try to get rid of this illness that she had. And I think it's safe to assume that this woman did not have parents around her because there's no mention of her getting the help that she needed, of anyone being alongside her in a way that would help. Whether or not she shared with her, her parents, that's a whole other ballgame, right? Whatever it is, their dynamics such that it left this woman alone. It left this woman in a situation where she literally had to elbow her way through a crowd, a throng of people, just to be able to get the healing that she believed she could get by touching the cloak of Jesus. Some of you may be tuning in thinking, I am just, I feel like I'm going and I'm pursuing the Lord and I'm doing this and I, I just, and I can't seem to even get close enough touching the hem of his robe so I can get the healing I need, healing in my, in my marriage, healing in my day-to-day life, healing in my workplace, healing in my relationships, healing in, healing in, in um, my, my ability to fully serve the Lord. Whatever the healing needed, you know, that chronic thing that for years you're unable to simply combat. Some of you have been doing that, and yet it just feels like you can't get close enough. And when you do get close enough, it seems like the little bit you get to graze the hem of his cloak, there's no way Jesus noticed anything. There's no way Jesus would care about me. Are you kidding? There are so many other people around that he has to take care of. I mean, there's no way. And on top of that, oh, here's this brother and sister in Christ who's saying, oh, that's not, mm, you're, 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 you're just part of the crowd. You know, no, Jesus, that wasn't her. She's Jesus trying to get to you, Jesus. Don't you worry. Right? And some of us can be Peters a lot of times in situations where we tend to disregard the people who are actively yearning to hear more about Jesus because we are just so busy focusing on what is around us 
and this is this is actually a convicting thing that I'm I'm starting to see right now for me. It just gets intense. And in the midst of that, we tend to forget to be kingdom workers for Christ, to be the people who can say, you know what? Hold on. Authority in heaven and on earth is God's. Therefore, my commission is to go and to make disciples of nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teach them to obey his commandments, and know that he's with me always to the end of the age. And wait, there's this person right here who's just yearning for that healing. And under the authority and the power of Jesus, I'm going to direct them straight to the source. I'm not going to pretend like by my words I can heal anyone. But I am going to share with that person that by them reaching directly for that cloak of Jesus, that blessed robe of righteousness of Jesus, if they can just touch that cloak of righteousness of Jesus by accepting him fully as Lord and Savior, they can directly from him receive the healing they need. They can directly from him receive the attention, the care, the the love that they need. The Lord's parenting is perfect. Know he's heard you. Know he's felt your pursuit. And know that he has not forgotten about you. Let's turn to Matthew 8, 5 through 17. So Jesus entered Capernaum. When he did that, a centurion came to him and asked him to help with a servant who was paralyzed and suffering terribly. And so Jesus said, okay, uh, should I come and, and, you know, heal him? And the centurion said, no, you don't, you don't have to. I mean, I understand, I understand authority. And so pretty much say a word and it'll be done. And Jesus is amazed. So verse 10, it says, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And he said to those following him, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the kingdom of the world it's talking about in verse 12. So Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it will. It would. And his servant was healed at that moment. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. She got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were also brought to him. And he drove out spirits with a word and healed all the sick. And this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, he took up our infirmities and he bore our sins. Here we have advocacy at the forefront of this passage. And now we're starting to delve into the privilege of a praying parent. What is the privilege that we have when the Lord entrusts people in our paths to parent according to the way he parented us in John 17. Well, the first thing is we get to be advocates for people. 
Here we have a centurion who was clearly of a different cultural background than his servant, and yet he wasn't too high up to, to tend to the care of his servant. He wasn't too haughty <laughs> or stuck up, right, to, to attend to the fact that his servant needed to be um, to, to have help. But this centurion was willing to cross some serious cultural boundaries to invite Jesus to come and heal this man. This is a, a person who understood very intricately that their role was to be the mouthpiece for those for for the persons under him. The centurion understood that he was the advocates of the people around him, even the ones serving him, even the ones that society would think are, quote unquote, in the lower side of the totem pole. Every single person under him, that centurion understood his responsibility and his role. At that time, a centurion taking care of his servant didn't make any sense. It just wasn't part of the culture. But this centurion had something very special in him. He understood advocacy. The second thing, he was fully trusting that Jesus could intervene. But he also took some kind of action. The two have to go hand in hand. It can't just be sitting down and waiting for God to do things without any action on our parts. And sometimes action does mean prayer. But very intentional prayer, not just, oh, this, whatever happens, happens, it'll be fine, it'll be God's timing, and then we don't do anything. The third thing, he assumed his responsibility that he wasn't God. So it's one thing to understand that you can be a parent to those around you, but it's a whole other thing to, to start thinking you're God. You have to fix everything about them. You have to control everything about them. You have to allow, you know, yourself to, to, to live vicariously through them. That is not godly parenting. It's not where we get to see the privilege of parenting. Where we get to see the privilege of parenting is when we are fully trusting God. We are taking actions according to the Holy Spirit. We understand that we are advocates for the people to whom we are parents. We understand that there's responsibility that comes with the knowledge of knowing that we're not God. So, yes, we're going to assume the responsibility, but at the same time, we are going to, to, to assume our responsibility of being a child of God, of humbling ourselves before him, of trying to do everything by ourselves for the people that we've been to. also get to understand the authority and the span of Jesus's authority. This centurion, this centurion was kind of the bomb. I mean, he didn't need to have any type of description about who Jesus was in, in order to truly get it. He drew from his personal experiences of being a soldier, of being having people under him. And then within that context, he was able to then understand the gospel in such a way that he could petition that Jesus heal his servant from afar. Here's a piece of a little nugget. You and I can really take advantage of the experiences that we have right in front of us right now at the table 
instead of reaching far into, oh, how do I do this? How do I speak to this person about Jesus? How do I speak to my kids about Jesus? How do I, you know, how do I, here's a simple, a simple, simple application here. How did you come to understand the gospel, the good news of Jesus? If it's a series of moments that gradually led up to understanding, try to map that out, write that down, and use that experience to share the good news of the gospel with the people. The centurion used his experience of being a man of authority to understand the authority of Jesus so that he could petition Jesus for healing for his servant. Centurion in that moment understood that he was a parent to that servant. Was he a blood relative? No. Was he an adoptive parent? No. Was he a spiritual parent? No, not even, actually. But he still understood the responsibility he had before the Lord, before Jesus, really. And then we also get to pray for the people around us, very specifically for the, the children around us. Okay, who have been entrusted into our care. We have to pray for them in a way that brings about the Lord's authority in life. Let's take a look at what that looks like when we don't apply the very basic concept of accepting the privilege of a praying parent. Okay? So here we have Luke 8, 49 through 56. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, and he's the synagogue leader. He says, your daughter is dead. So he said, okay, don't bother to teach her anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. And so Jesus said to stop wailing. She's not dead. She's asleep. They loved him. He was dead. But then Jesus took her by the hand and he said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned and at once she stood up. So then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Parents were astonished. But he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. So here we have the incredible mercy of Jesus with the incredible first step of faith from a grieving parent. And then the up and the beautiful grace of Jesus right after that. So the first thing we see here, Jesus was speaking. Jairus had the faith to go and get help from Jesus. Okay, And in the midst of that, his daughter dies. When his daughter dies, goes his faith in Jesus. Can you relate to that? Times in your life where you're looking at circumstances or people and, and your expectation is just not quite what you thought they ought to be. And all of a sudden it shakes your faith in such a way that you stop believing. 
Jesus can intervene, possibly intervene in this situation. So here, Jairus just gave up. He said, no, I just don't bother the church. It's fine. And Jesus, amazing, incredible way and compassion, said, don't be afraid. Just believe. She will be healed. He didn't say, I can't believe you don't believe in me anymore. He didn't say, you're going to hell. He didn't say, repent for you're going to hell. Oh, he looked at the dire grief. You go to the house, you can see people who have already given up, who are willing and who are crying. Or, oh my gosh, he's dead. He didn't even hurry up to this. It's just a mess. And Jesus says, okay, keep those out. It's not, not, you know, Jesus' word, but keep because the times praying parents, everyone else out, sometimes even tune kids who are interested on tools, tune them out and say, I, it's, you know what, this is going to be me and, me and you. We're going to get through this. Don't care what it takes. What I do know, stay with the faith and the hope that I have in you. And in doing so, get to witness the incredible miracle of Jesus resurrecting things as people in our lives that we thought were dead. Jesus said to her, Stop wailing. She's not dead. She's asleep. And they just laughed. And Jesus, in all his compassion, went and resurrect that girl. Her spirit returned, and she told them to give her, her something to eat. Parents were astonished. But he ordered them not to tell anyone what would happen. Now, I remember reading through that last part and being like, why would Jesus not want people to know? I mean, that seems like an incredible miracle. Why? Why, could, why couldn't they tell anyone? It doesn't make any sense. But rereading this and to go and talk about the miracle itself because it's not about the outcome. It's not about the works and the fruits that what spreads is towards the Lord. A heart that is under the lordship of Jesus in such a way that we know his authority comes first. As it is in heaven, on earth and under that umbrella then we we can go with disciples and nations under the umbrella of understanding of authority here on earth as it is in heaven then we can go and baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit under the authority of knowing that Jesus' authority here in heaven and on earth is this, that's under that umbrella people God's commandments tell them about and not do according to what the Bible says. We're not really telling people what to do or what not to do. We redirect to Jesus, and He'll tell them what to do or what not to do. All this is the umbrella and the authority of Jesus and knowing have Jarius did think to raise someone from the dead. He didn't, right? So He's now witnessed this miracle. He's 
and it's going to be like, oh, my gosh, this is so, so awesome. That's great. All the meanwhile, still not having a, a condition that makes him a perfect that good news. Even though it's an incredible news when it comes to parents, the privilege of a praying parent when step out of the way that that is not the place that you can share the gospel so that God's will will be done in a way that it is also the of a parent to step in and be bold it is time to be good to the gospel openly through word it's not about kingdom hearts turning towards the Lord it's harvest being cultivated for the sake of the story. When simply engaged in going and telling, making the news outside of the umbrella of the authority of Jesus, we establish what it means to be the gospel. And don't worry, Jesus, is, Jesus will spread his good news in ways partaking in that, in the Holy Spirit time that it is meant to be. Looked at three different paths. A woman was so interested in God's authority in such a way, once she reached a low enough point in her life, that in such a way she was willing to go through a massive amount of people just to be able to not even see the Lord, but just touch the hem of his robe. And that passionate pursuit is something that we can do and really assume. As a privileging parent, and we can see great fruit coming out of that. Out of that, we can also see the way in which Jesus parented her. Jesus noted her. Jesus didn't have to. Jesus, Jesus knows exactly what you sound like, exactly what you your the, the feel of your fingertips feels like, even when it's not directly on him. My whole point is he has a handle on you, and that's why if you're listening to the show and you're like, yeah, I'm not that. Why I don't want kids or whatever. It's not about that. It's about understanding how loved you are and how parented you are as a human being and living in the freedom of knowing that you have a father who deeply cares about you that's going to ensure that you as a Christ follower are taken care of. And if you're not yet a Christ follower, thank you for listening to the show. He's pursuing you. He wants you to come into a relationship with him. And there's no the incredible safety of provision, manifestation of the Holy Spirit. So with that in mind, to recap, the first thing we looked at, God as the parent, and how that just impacts everything that we then experience. Second, the privilege of praying parent. What do we get to do as praying parents? Well, we get to be the, the advocates, we get to be ones who are leading people, redirecting people to the Lord. Redirect, redirect, redirect. Advocacy, redirecting. We get to be the last one standing. So when everybody else gives up, we, we can get to say, no, I'm not giving up. Oh, Jesus does not need to come right here even. He just needs to give that. He just needs to give that word. He just needs to do what he does, and I'm going to stand in faith, and I'm not going to lose that belief. And we saw the way in which perseverance is key. And even if 
midst of the lack of perseverance, we still see the compassion of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, because he's, he cares deeply for us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for this hour. Lord, I give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. Thank you that you, as the parent, resonates just deeply for this year, 2017. Thank you, Lord, that you are pruning us to be perfect, perfectly abled vessels for you. Lord, I just pray that in this journey, we will not undertake paths that sabotage what you are trying to do in our lives, Lord. So we are so thankful for this day. We're so thankful for this hour. And God, we just pray that your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. For joining the Keyboard for Christ online show, and I look forward to talking to you next Wednesday. We'll have Kathy Hoffman as a guest interviewee, and she has just an incredible testimony um, about perseverance, about godly parenting um, in the midst of a really, really difficult situation. And you will be amazed at how God is at work today. So I cannot wait to have fun. And in the meantime, I wish you a wonderful and a blessed night. Bye bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.